You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlick. Really the theme of this series of Christmas centers around hope. And I wanna start off this way. There's a well-known passage of scripture. You might have known it. This is not gonna be on the screen, by the way. Jesus is talking and he says this, ready? He says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you. Okay, so something talked about many times before, but here's the thing about being a Christian and this really, really matters. I want you to understand that God actually wants you to be able to have hope in your life. And I know it can feel sometimes like hope is meant for others because I would guess that if I got a chance to hang out with you in this room, get to know you a little bit, I bet there's a lot of dreams that have gone dormant in this room. That there's a lot of people who this Christmas season are weary or tired or wondering, God, where have you been or what are you doing? And maybe everything is going great for you and that's awesome, I'm thankful that you are here. But more than likely, there's been a loss of hope on a pretty epic scale. And as Christians, one of the things that we can understand about the Bible is this, is that it's God's truth that sets us free. Now the reason why it's not God's power, or God's creativity, or God's sustainability, or his mercy that sets us free is because the truth is meant to change the way we think. Sometimes the thing that keeps us bound, or the thing that prevents us from actually having hope is the, what goes on in our minds. And so a lot of us carry weights with us throughout the day when we put our heads on the pillow at night, we think about the stress or the things we have to face. And it's in our minds that we can sometimes get stuck. And so God's truth, which is beautiful, is meant to come to the, where our thoughts are and to give us the tools, his word, his truth, to shape the way we think so that we can learn to live Christ-centered, hope-filled lives. And you need to know the God who made everything and everyone wants you, not the person sitting next to you, you to have hope. And I know you might be tired, maybe distracted, numb even, but I want you to know that he longs for you to have hope. And if you allow God's truth, if you allow it to set into your life, I believe you can actually experience hope. So that's what this series is about, and we've been looking at Isaiah chapter nine, talking about he's a a wonderful counselor, which Gabe talked about last week, and today the title of the message simply is this, Mighty God, Mighty God. Now what I wanna do is go on a little bit of a journey, it's a very simple message today, and in a lot of ways I'm preaching to myself, but I'm gonna give you guys some things that I have learned, things that God has been teaching me, and I wanna be able to share them with you. Again, very simple message. But first I wanna start off this way, how the heck do we lose hope to begin with? Loss of hope is a massive thing, and I'm gonna take you to a passage of scripture that you maybe have never heard preached on a Christmas series. In fact, if it's preached, it's usually often around um, the resurrection and around Easter. Uh, But we're gonna start here because I want us to be able to see in the Bible some followers of Jesus who lost their hope. So now where we're gonna dive in in this story, you have to know Jesus has died, but he is now resurrected, and he's allowing and telling his followers that he's come back to life and he's going around and showing himself to other people. Now, in this journey, it's called the Road to Emmaus, two followers are going, they've heard some stuff, but they're not sure if it's true or not, and while they're going, Jesus himself starts walking next to them, 
and he realizes that they're really sad. So he asks them, why are you guys so sad? And that's where we're gonna dive in this story. And I want us to just, there's a phrase in here that I think a lot of us can relate with in a big way. So Luke chapter 24, 19b says this. They're answering Jesus' question as to why they're so sad. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. They crucified him. And then verse 21, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. You hear it in the phrase, in their voice? We had hoped. The reason I love the Bible is because so many of the stories, even though it's in a completely different culture, maybe a different language, different context, the people are so human and real. And I bet all of us at one point in our life, we might have said the same thing. Man, I had hoped. I had hoped that things would turn out better. I had hoped that things would be easier. I had hoped that things would work out. I had hoped, and we've all somewhere thought this, felt this, uttered this, and this is the exact expression. It's hopeless, we had hoped. We followed Jesus, he did amazing things, and yet he died. And so where we placed our hope became difficult. And this highlights where and how do all of us in this room, how do we get to a place where we lose hope? How do we get to this place? And it's a lot more simple. I mean, it's easy, but even though it's easy to understand, it's so intrinsically built into who we are that it's, it's our, almost our default setting. Well, let me, let me give you a thought, ready? All of us, almost all of us, we often place our hope in what we can see. We often place our hope in what we can see. It's the most natural thing. All of us in the room, we do this. If you're a single guy and you wanna get married, you're gonna hope for a hottie to come across your path. When I was a kid and I was playing sports, I was not very good at basketball. You know what I hoped? I hoped I could be the next Michael Jordan. I would dribble around, I put my tongue out. I would jump two inches in the air and pretend like I was dunking. Why, because we hope, and by the way, that was like my generation, man, those old school days, watching the Bulls, I mean, just incredible. And, but we hope, we, we hope in the things that we can see, it's natural, it's normal. But here's, here's the major issue with this, ready? Everything that we can see can be taken from us. Everything we see with our eyes can be lost. And this is the pain of this. This is the difficulty of this. This is what life can be so hard. And this is why we can relate with, with the followers. They're saying we had hoped. We saw Jesus do miracles. He turned water into wine and that's how he kicked off his ministry. That right there, then Jesus fed the 5,000. Really, it was more like 15,000 because they only counted men. And so, man, there was a lot more people there. We saw him walk on water. We witnessed him preaching and teaching. We saw him do miracles, the lame and the blind and those with leprosy. We watched him do all these things. And can you hear in their voice? But we had hoped because why? He's been taken from us. And this, this is why this season is hard for so many people. If your marriage has fallen apart, if you've lost someone that you care deeply for, the things that you had hoped for, the things that you had said, I hope this would happen. It's the pain of life. I met with a pastor one time and he said, our expectations are up here, reality is down here where my elbow is, and he said, everything in between is, guess what, pain. 
I said, thank you for that encouraging word. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. I'm gonna go watch a Lifetime movie right now or something. Hallmark commercial, just shed a tear. I, it's just life, isn't it? Everything in between is just, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And that's, this is how we live. And so it's natural, it's easy for us. And by the way, so let's just take the last two and a half years, or last three years, in the last three years, from a global perspective, the amount of change that we've seen happen around us, the, the pandemic shuts everything down. And then we have the racial tensions in our nation and the political climate. And then we begin to realize that, listen, by the way, if you're a parent and you had young kids and when school shut down and they're home all day, Lord have mercy. And if you're a kid, you're like, I'm home all day. And then when school's up and up again, we're like, go in the name of the Lord. <laughs> and then the pandemic shuts stuff down. And then finally, when it seems like we're clawing out of this stuff, there's a war happening over in the Ukraine where Russia invades. And then every time you open the news, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of things. Have you ever seen, like, like sometimes in a factory setting, it could say this. It's a sign that says this many days since the last incident. You know what I'm talking about? It's been 28 days since the last person had their arm ripped out by the machine. Woo! And then someone comes and zero days. <laughs> you know what's, you know what? It, it breaks my heart that when I open up and I read the news, I'm no longer shocked by another mass killing. I'm like, oh, there's another one. And so just the last three years, no wonder everybody's tired. And then on a personal level, all of the world's doing all these things and then you go to buy groceries for your family. I, I literally, I, went, I saw one of my good friends in Charlotte, we were hanging out for a while and so we had gone out to eat a couple of times and we're like, we wanna save money, let's do a, a more low key restaurant. So we went to a food court. I went to, Chip, I went to Chipotle. I don't normally go to Chipotle. I'm like, this will be cheaper. I got a burrito and chips and salsa and it was $21. I said, ma'am, can I pay for this with a loan? Do you have credit? What can I do? Can I do installments on the chips? I'm like, what is happening? But the default setting all of us carry with us is we hope for what we can see, but the pain is that everything we see can be taken. That's why this time of year for a lot of people is really hard. So what do we do? How do we reconcile navigating through this in the way that we're wired? And that's why I love this Christmas season because again, ready? Remember these words. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In other words, God's way of doing things is gonna give you the things that you can think that are from him that'll shift how you perceive it so that you can engage in this world differently. And being a Christian isn't just about being a nice person. By the way, that God never calls us to be nice. Being a follower of Jesus is moving from death to life and a God who gives you his life so that you can be made new. It's a transformation in how we think. And so what I wanna do is I wanna look at the promise. This is the promise that's the passage in Isaiah that we looked at last week that Dave, Gabe did an awesome job uh, leading us into for the first series. But look at this promise. Look at this promise of something that God is gonna do back in Isaiah. Now we have the benefit, we can look back and see this promise fulfilled, but look at how beautiful this promise is. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, talking about the Messiah, it says this, 
For a child is born to us and a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. Let me put it to you another way, ready? His government and his peace can never be taken from you. His, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. By the way, my, one of my favorite names for God is the Lord of heaven's armies. You ever watched Rambo? You know what I'm saying? Like, he gets beat up a little bit and then he like snaps and he's like, that's it, it's over. And then for the next little bit, he just, our God is not just any God, he's not just a weak God, he is the Lord, listen, of heaven's armies. And what the Lord of heaven's armies says is this, I will make right what has been made wrong. And it's my commitment, my commitment, my word, that I'm coming, I'm showing up, and I'm changing the game. That's Isaiah 9, it's this incredible promise. And yet you and I were people who base our hope on things that we can see. And this was made in Isaiah long before Jesus ever walked the earth. And then you fast forward and then you get to the New Testament after 400 years of silence from Malachi. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere seemingly, a young woman, Mary, is pregnant while being a virgin. And this God who made a promise long before shows up on the scene and we celebrate now Christmas and we know the story. But it's worth reminding ourselves I want, just to, I want to, let me just have a thought by this, ready? The reason why I think this is beautiful and why I call this mighty God is this. We want to often place our hope in what we can see, but I want you and I to know that God wants us to place our hope in him. Now, this seems easy, but think about this for a second. He's gonna sin, the promise is, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, I mean, he gives these things to us that says, you can hold on to this. This prince of peace is for you. The reason why God wants us to change our thinking from thinking about what we can see to him, and this is beautiful, ready? Is because he never changes and he can always be with us. And so when we place our things in what we can see, it can be taken. We can lose it. It can be gone. But there is one who sits on a throne that can't be shaken. And, and, and when we trust in him, guess what? He will never leave us or forsake us. And even in the most dark situations, even when times get very difficult, and as a pastor, I'm often in the room when things get very, very hard. I got called one time to a house of a husband. Actually, he was calling me on his way home. And as he's calling me, he told me he believes his wife might have passed away. I could hear the heartbreak in his voice. And I said, well, I'm on my way to meet you there. I go to the house. Sure, sure enough, his wife had passed away and he was outside and the, the police were there and, and they were, as I got there, they were escorting her body out of the house and he looked at me, tears just in his eyes and I just embraced him. And he had five girls, ages two, all the way up to 18. And I, I grabbed a hold of him and I went and got his daughters 
And we went into the house. And in that moment, we said, God can be with us and we can have hope even in a hard time like this because even though we didn't see this coming, God has not left us. And we started praying and we started hugging and we started crying. And I'm here to tell you something, even in that situation, guess what? Not hopeless. So for hope to be real, it can't just be for the good times. It has to be when, when listen, in the valley of the shadow of death, as it says in Psalms. But here, here's my point. My point is, is that the reason why God wants us to move from placing our hope into what we can see to placing our hope in him, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace, is because he never changes. He is always good. And this is what, listen, I grew up in the charismatic world. I don't know what kind of church background you have. You might be a, uh, you might be a reformed. You might be a good old Southern Baptist. You might have come, you might have been a deacon. I don't even, I, like you might have, been in a committee. I grew up in the charismatic world. And so faith in the charismatic world is a huge deal, okay? Faith is massive. Now let me tell you something I've learned about faith though in the charismatic world. Sometimes we think that faith means you have to wish hard enough so that God will actually do what you ask him to do. If I have faith enough, it's like the force in Star Wars, if I have faith, ah! Now I'm a charismatic, I can make fun of that a little bit, okay? Ah, Jesus, glory, ha! Ah! You are healed. By the way, I believe God can heal. I believe God can do miracles. But we tend to think that faith is about wishing hard enough for God to do something. Faith is not wishing upon a star or pretending that everything is okay. Why? Because sometimes things are bad. Do you know what faith is? Faith is trusting that he is good despite what you see. It's not thinking about what you can see, it's about trusting and holding on. God, despite what I see, I place my faith in you. It's you and you alone that I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow. So God gives us this promise and this promise is meant to shift the way we think so that we no longer place in what we can see but place it in him. Now I want us to look at the Christmas moment, Luke chapter one, his birth. I think it's a beautiful little story that Gabriel came to Mary to be able to talk with her. He's telling her that she's pregnant. She's like, what, how's this gonna happen? And verse 35 is where we're gonna, we're gonna dive in, ready? And the angel answered her and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. By the way, he tells her, hey, you're pregnant. She, and, and she's like, that's nuts. Like, how is that possible? And the answer is, well, the, the power of the highest is gonna overshadow you. What the heck does that mean? Has God ever told you he's gonna do something? And you're like, God, why don't you explain to me what you're gonna do? And God's like, you know what? The power of the highest is gonna overshadow you. Thanks a lot, God. Let me, let's get even, okay. God rarely ever explains his plans to us. Do you know why we often wanna know how God's gonna do something? Do you know why we're like that? Because we wanna know the details of the plan to know whether or not we can trust the plan. If you tell me what you're gonna do, then maybe I'll see if this is gonna work out okay. God, if you explain yourself to me, then I'll get in on the boat, on the trust you boat, and we'll sail along forever. But first, God, you give me your plan. I need to see in writing. Do you know how many times in scripture God actually explains himself? He's like, yeah. Why is God like that? Because again, God doesn't want you to put your hope in a plan, he wants you to put your hope in a person. If God, all he ever did was give you plans, all you would ever do is have faith in a plan. But how many times plans do they go according to plan? 
Whatever I just said didn't make sense, but you can untangle that in your own mind. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. That didn't go according to plan. And Mary here is like, how is this gonna happen? And the angel's like, well, the power of the Most High is gonna overshadow you. Well, that explains a lot, thank you. Anyway, let's, let's keep going. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is to be born will, call this, will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What a beautiful little snapshot. Let me give you some, this has nothing to do with this message, but just some biblical stuff I find fascinating. Often when God makes a promise or when he wants to build our faith, he'll give you a smaller promise that'll give you the faith to trust him for the bigger promise. So in here, God basically tells her, hey, Mary, you're pregnant. And she's like, there's no way that's possible. And believe it or not, that's the smaller promise. I know that's crazy because a virgin giving birth is one of the greatest miracles in history, but that's a smaller promise. Do you know why? The bigger promise is this, and the son you're carrying is gonna be the son of God, the savior of the world. So Mary, if you get pregnant and you know that you're a virgin, guess what? That means that you can have faith to believe that that boy who was born of you is going to save the entire world. Often God will give you a smaller promise so that you can believe him for the bigger one. And the other thing I love about God is this, is in this story, after he gives her this incredible claim where she's like, are you kidding me? Then he goes on and says, and your cousin Elizabeth, and the Bible didn't put it delicately. He just said the woman of old age. The old woman is pregnant. In other words, it's impossible that Elizabeth could have a kid, but I want you to know something. I have given her a kid, not just so that John the Baptist could prepare the way, but Mary, you and yourself, when you feel like you don't know if this is God, you can go to your cousin and see with your own eyes that I did another miracle in her to confirm the miracle I'm doing in you. This is how God often works. He gives us so many different things to say, I'm with you and I can, listen, you can trust me. Because even though God may not explain himself, He is present. And I love this story in here, but there's that one phrase in here, for with God, nothing, nothing will be impossible. Why, why does God do this? Well, the answer is for me, at least in the message, is really easy because he's a mighty God. He is a mighty God. And this is for me where, how do we see God being mighty? Do we see it when the sun rises in the morning? Do we see it in nature when we look at, the incredible majestic mountains or the unbelievable waves or the power that nature can have? Do we see God's might when we look in the Bible and imagine the Old Testament stories of the Red Sea splitting in two or the walls of Jericho coming down or even Jesus feeding the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves? Where do we see God's might? And I would argue that where we see God's might is actually in here the most. It's when someone comes in contact with Jesus and that contact changes them from the inside out. And as a pastor, I have seen people come in contact with Jesus and the power that that produces is incredible. When they know and meet Jesus, my wife and I lived in Nicaragua for five years, a very impoverished country, a place where people lost hope always. We, did, we worked with uh, students who came from really rough places and rough backgrounds. We would invite them to get to know and hang out in the church and, and to come and to worship and to get to know Jesus. And it was pretty incredible. Coming to our church, 
for a long period of time was a kid whose name, I actually don't even know his real name, but we all called him Gato, which is cat. It means cat in Spanish. And the reason we called him that is because he was a thief who could sneak into any situation. And he was like a cat. If he fell off the roof of a building, he would somehow land on his feet perfectly. That kid was sly. He started coming to our church and he stole all the time from our church. I mean, it was like, I remember one of the first time, one of, one of the people, one of the workers there was like, hey, I think he has some stuff in there. So he kind of pulled him aside. Hey man, listen, what you got? Lifted up his shirt. There was like several tools stuck in his, we're like, there's a saw blade. I'm like, dude, listen, don't put a saw blade. Just don't like, what's happening here, man? <laughs> but he kept coming, hanging out. And he came from a broken, broken, broken situation as all the kids did. And somewhere as he began coming, he accepted Jesus into his life. And we got a little inflatable kiddie pool and we had a baptism service and I watched him get baptized. I baptized him actually. It was freezing cold water by the way. That has nothing to do with anything. And uh, baptized him and he got out. I know this seems simple. He was known as the thief. I mean he just stole from us, everybody, anyone, you know, he just stole. And after he got baptized, after he's, after he's participated in our church, um, we would play soccer every week and at the church ministry. And after one of the services, he said, hey, do you mind if I borrow the church's soccer ball so I can play soccer this week? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Take it. Now, in my mind, listen, when he got back, he came out of the water not instantly perfect. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are like that. By the way, I was like that. Some of y'all need to be held extra under the water. Make sure you're really saved. Glory. <laughs> Just a li- Jesus, woo! He came out, he did not, he, listen, he wasn't instantly perfect. So I give him the soccer ball. Following Saturday, service starts, and I'll never forget, bus pulls up, and here he is, and he's just grinning from ear to ear. And he goes, here's the soccer ball you let me have. I'm bringing it back to church. I know that seems so simple, but a, a kid who was known as a thief encounters a God who loves him now he, when he looks at himself, he doesn't have to be the thief. You know what he can be? He can be redeemed. Another young lady in our ministry was 21 years old, her name was Jessica. Jessica never went to school, she couldn't even read or write. And we actually offered her a small job in the church even though we actually didn't need, we didn't need someone to do this. We offered her a job to come clean our building at times. We didn't need it, we actually had several cleaners. We gave her the job just because we knew about Jessica's story. Jessica had like, five or six brothers or sisters, we couldn't actually get a final tally on how many, who she was responsible for to feed and to care for. And Jessica, to give you an idea, just, just to understand, Jessica was paying rent by the day. Now I know money can be hard, but when you pay rent by the day, in other words, if you don't get your rent money for the night, you don't have somewhere to stay, that's a different level of living. And Jessica was 21, had never been to school, couldn't read or write, and as she started coming, we gave her a job so that she could have something to be able to help her family out, and she was responsible. We discovered, we had no idea that she couldn't read or write, and she thought she was dumb. She thought she was stupid, and no one else could. And we realized that she couldn't read or write, so we made her a deal. We said, we're gonna allow you to keep cleaning our church, but our deal is this. We wanna teach you how to read or write because we have news for you. Ready? You are not dumb. You are a beautiful woman of God. And I watched her get baptized. 
And so we think of God like movies, like Charlton Heston standing on the top of a mountain, of God acting in these incredible ways. Do you know where God acts all the time? He acts right here. That's why a Christmas season, like a single mom who's barely making it can say, I, listen, I have hope. That's why people who are on the verge of, of a breakup in a relationship or someone who's navigating through health situations, they can declare and believe, wait, wait a second, I don't have to go through this alone. Because what God is doing right here is greater than what you might imagine. I want you to think about this for a second. The very disciples who were walking with Jesus are sad. You know what they said? We had hoped that he would come fix things. They believed that Jesus would come and put in a government that they could see. But what did Jesus do? He died. Jesus, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. By the way, I know that sounds ridiculous, but we do it all the time, don't we? I mean, all the time. We place our hope in what we can see and then we get mad at God for not doing the thing that we wanted him to do that we can see. And they literally are walking with Jesus and they're like, yep, it's horrible. He's dead. But what, did, what they couldn't comprehend in the moment was this. He didn't come to put in a government we could see. That government would come and go. Because what you can see is only temporary. What did Jesus do? He came to give his life so that anybody from generations from now until today that declared and believed in Jesus would be made whole and right and new. That the thief would no longer have to be a thief. That the one who couldn't read and write wouldn't realize that she's a lesser of a person. That those who are broken could be set free. What did Jesus come to do? He came to defeat the power of sin and death. Forget a government in a nation. Those walls are brick and mortar. What about a kingdom that is built with changed lives. And so you and I, we place our hope in what we can see. How many times do we miss God because we're only looking at where we can see? And so the might or the power that God has, the God that we can watch is, he's working constantly and continually. He's a mighty God and he wants us to place our hope in him. So I'm gonna get so here's the question. Pastor, that's nice. How in the heck do we move from being people who place our hope in what we can see into a God who we can't see? Well, I'm gonna share with you, these are very simple, but these are things that have helped me in my life, and then I'll share a personal story, okay? Three things, I'm not gonna give them to you one at a time, I'm gonna give you all three at once. These three things together, for me, are the thing that move me from placing my hope in what I can see into honestly, a God who I can't but trust and have seen work in my life over and over again. So here they are, very simple, the three of them. You need to first know what God actually says. You know what breaks my heart? You have access to God every day, but a lot of you only know his word or hear his word on Sundays. If you took an hour and just Googled promises of God, and you wrote down some of the promises? What about took an hour and just searched names of God, about who God is, and you just spent an hour, one hour, I know that sounds like a long time, and just researched different verses that are found in the Bible? I'm here to tell you something. What you might realize is that a lot of those words from God actually can make a difference in your life. They can be powerful, they can have a massive influence, so that when you feel like you're losing hope, where do you turn? You turn to God's word. And by the way, even though you can't see God, he gives you his voice so you can hear him. Yeah, you can't see him, but you sure as heck can hear him. And you can know what God has to say about things. I'm telling you, this is a real quick illustration. 
my wife and I traveled a lot because of being missionaries. And when our daughter was born and growing up, she went on so many stinking plane flights. I mean, so many plane flights. And whenever we'd go on security, especially when she was herself mobile and walking and stuff like that, and she would have to go through security by herself. By the way, if you've ever been to airport security, it's a whole thing. And if you haven't, it's a whole thing, okay? But we, had our get her, we got our daughter used to the fact that she would go through security and not be able to see us for a little bit. And those first couple of times that our daughter would go through security where she couldn't see us, do you know what we did? We spoke to her. So even though she didn't see us, what did she have? She had our voice. Now you may not see God, and that's true, but I'm here to tell you something, you have his voice. And you wonder, what is God doing in this situation or how he wants to work in my life? Well, I'm here to tell you something, you have his voice. And he's telling you, he's speaking to you, he's wanting you to know. And remember, it's his truth that sets you free. That means his words can set you free, his voice. So that's one of them. Here's the next thing is this, you can remember what God has done. We have the benefit that we can look back and see what he's already done. I'm here to tell you, but you know, when we remember what God has done, we can become grateful. Do you know that neuroscience has come to the place where they've realized that in, you, can't, you cannot actually hold anxiety and be grateful at the same time? I know it sounds weird. Now you can be anxious and grateful at different times, but it's hard to be grateful and be anxious at the same time. And when you and I remember what God has already done, it's a game changer. And the last one is this, trust that he knows best. Trust that he knows best. So a very personal story for me. When, uh, so first of all, this um, grew up overseas, my parents are missionaries. I know that's shocking because I never tell any stories, but the staff make fun of me all the time. The big joke in the staff is that I actually didn't grow up overseas, but I was born in like Berea or something close by. <laughs> it's all complete fabrication. Which is pretty funny, and so they're like, "You didn't really." Yeah, I was born. I was born in. I was born in downtown Bristol. Anyway, no. So, overseas, and, and being with my parents, getting a chance to watch them follow the Lord. Let me just show you some pictures. This, this is my dad and I when we were kids, when I was younger. This is him and I, and uh, my dad's rocking that shirt, man. That is awesome, right there. We literally got dropped off. This is in Peru. Got dropped off. No one. That that's that's a bus stop in the middle of nowhere. Someone was supposed to pick us up. No one was there. That behind us is one of the driest deserts in the whole world, the Atacama Desert. And my dad is not the happiest of campers. What the crap? He's supposed to be doing some sort of ministry function. Ain't nobody there. And by the way, there's not a 7-Eleven or a QT or a Chick-fil-A. I want you to know, not around. This is just me watching. And so I grew up watching my parents kind of serve the Lord. Let me, let me get, this is just, just my, my dad. This is just him preaching in the Amazon jungle. And by the way, Someone had the brilliant idea of getting a little generator and putting a little light bulb up so they could continue having services at night. Have you ever seen how bugs are attracted to lights? <laughs> what moron would go to the jungle and invite all the insects to come in? It's like moth or whoa! Anyway, there's my dad preaching. Well, my dad should have died multiple times by this time. Back in 2006, my, my parents were living overseas. My dad had a heart attack in Nicaragua after he preached a Sunday morning service. We're able to get him on a plane, bring him back to the US. He had triple bypass surgery. Probably, and by the way, the thing I didn't mention first service is this. There's a history in our family. My grandfather, I never met, died when he was 41 of a heart attack. He actually had a heart attack and fell and weren't sure if the fall, the fall killed my grandfather or the heart attack, but had a heart attack and fell. Either both of those things happened. So he was 41. So here my dad is, 
has a heart attack, should have died. Brought him back to the States, triple bypass. Then back in 2016, and I, I think I'm getting the dates right, I think, so my mom can correct me later when I'm, when I'm wrong. But back in 2016, my mom calls me. I'm living in the States. They're living in Nicaragua, and she calls and says, your dad is really, really sick, and he might die. And you need to come say, you need to come, you need to come. So I booked a ticket, flew to Nicaragua. My dad was in the ICU. They weren't sure what was wrong with him. I went in, actually, my dad probably doesn't remember this even a little bit, but went in there to say goodbye to my dad and didn't die. So then, survived. Then my parents moved back to the States and they're traveling back and forth and at the beginning of 2020, when, the, when everything shut down, I felt the Lord tell me that my dad wasn't gonna live for very much longer. I know this is super personal and I have, I actually have, the first time I shared it was first service. And so I said, okay, Lord. And my dad was in the high risk category for everything. Like he has all the high risk for everything. And so I began to pray. But there's a verse that I have in my house. I wanna show you a picture. Actually, it's, it's a display in my house. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Comes from Luke, when God speaks to Mary. And the Lord laid this on my heart and I began to pray and I began to pray and I said, okay God, I believe that even though, even though health-wise and even though these things might happen, I believe God that you are able to bring him through. And then fast forward to January of 21, my dad actually gets sick and in my arms, my dad almost could have died. And then my dad ended up making it to the ICU and then I picked my dad up from the hospital after he was there for $40 million worth of time. Pick him up, the first thing my dad says in the car is, the doctors told me I should be dead right now. And do you know what I said? For, in my mind, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And do you know why I could hold on to that? Because I know his word. And do you know why I can trust in that? Because I've seen God be good in the past. But here's the deal, what if my dad did die? And this is the thing about being a Christian. What if worst case scenario actually happened? I asked my dad one time, uh, after one of the times where he should have died, I said, hey, were you scared to die at all? And he like laughed at me, which I thought was kind of a weird reaction. I'm like, that's a little cavalier for this whole conversation. He goes, no, because I know where I'm gonna go. The hope a Christian has is this, worst case scenario pans out, God still shows up. And so how do we place our hope in him and not what we can see? By knowing what he says, by remembering what he's already done, and by trusting him, no matter what, that he always knows best. I wanna invite the band to come up. We're gonna end service with a worship song and get a chance to actually shift over into thinking about him. And I wanna do something a little bit different. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Because as I told you at the beginning of this, God wants you to actually have hope. And as the band comes up and you have your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm gonna pray for you because I know there might be some hopelessness in this room. I know there might be some pain over things that might have been lost. And I know I know that even though we might not see everything, we can be reminded that when we encounter Jesus, when we meet him, he can renew us, that we can trust in him despite what we see, and that he is so very good. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every heart and mind out there. I pray, Lord, for everyone who right now is wrestling because what they see is so very hard. 
this Christmas season, the God who is a wonderful counselor, mighty, everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace, may we rediscover what that means to know him. May our minds not focus on what we see, but let us focus on who you are, God. Who you are. And Lord, what you have already done, before we were even born, you gave us away by giving us your life. May we declare, Lord, that even, even if things don't go the way we want them to go, God, that you know more than we do and you we can trust. Your name is worthy to be praised and as Christians, as followers of Jesus, may we be filled with hope, not the hope that can be taken from us, not a hope that lasts for a moment or that is built on something easy, but a hope that is eternal, unchanging, because God, you are hope and unchanging. Let us cry out and praise your name. You are worthy to be praised. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.